tuned in to join the Word with beloved Bible teacher and author Pam Jenkins. And we're so honored that you would join us in the opening of God's Word. Today is going to be a marvelous day in the Word of God as Pam opens up the very pages that give us life and give us purpose. So let's join Pam now as she reveals the truth of the day. We studied this week the life of Moses. And we went with Moses into the wilderness. We followed his life in scripture. Uh, We are on lesson three this week together and God has already just launched us in into following the flame of God, the fire of God. And it takes a little time to get there. It takes time to build the big picture, to see the whole of it, which is what we want to do. And you never want to rush Truth. You never want to rush understanding, especially of something so vital in God's Word, because we've already learned that God started with that igniting. And as we looked in the life of Moses, Moses is best known, I believe, for the man who had a conversation with the bush, right? Uh, I'm sure you've had conversations with yourself, but how many of us could say, could put on our resumes, I had a conversation with a bush that was on fire and the bush was not consumed. So we studied that and how, how vital that was, what a marker that moment was in the life of Moses. But this fire in this bush, this conversation that Moses had with God, this fire that spoke to him, where did it come from? What fire was it and can we trace its path? Well, I believe we can. Now we have learned, I just touched on it previously in Genesis 1-4 as we began this study that God said, let there be light and that was God igniting. And we know that God was the igniter. We have to understand that this fire, this igniting, this light, which the fire you know, gives light to, this was an act of God. And in the very beginning, God did three things. He ignited the presence, the power, and the purpose of Jesus in the world. Let me say that again. He ignited the presence, the power, and the purpose of Jesus into the universe, into the world. If you're taking notes right at the top of your note sheet, when faith is ignited, what happens when our faith is ignited by God? The same, from the same fire that God lit. Now, you've got to understand, God lit this fire, this presence of Jesus into the world. And when we go through scripture, the next time that we see that this igniting that God began in the beginning, the next time we see it is in the life of a man by the name of Abraham. Now we're going to get to Moses, but it's, it's important that we understand the stepping stone that got there, that we understand the fire, the light, the presence of Jesus that God did ignite into the world. What we need to know about it before we get to Moses. And so the next time we see it is in Abraham, and it's in the life of Abraham. It's found in Genesis 17. So I want us to look there. I'm sorry, Genesis 15. And it says, After these things, the word of the Lord, verse 1, came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I'm a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. 
So God comes down into the life of Abraham, and we're, we're going to back up to where he started in just a minute and touch on that. But Abram said, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? Since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And that was his servant, one of his servants. And Abram said, since you've given me no offspring, one born in my house, that will be my heir. But God said no to him. This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. In other words, it's going to be something that comes from you, not your house, but from within you, it's going to come from within you. And he took Abram outside, or Abraham as we know him. He took him outside and he said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars. Sometimes God has to take us out of our confined places, our confined places, and he has to transition us to a place that's expansive enough not to wall in our thinking, not to wall in our understanding, to remove the limitations of our sight, to get us out of that confined space to show us the largeness of his purpose, the largeness of his working. And this is what he does to Abram. Abraham, he takes him outside and he says, look towards the heavens, count the stars if you're able to count them. Is it within your ability to count the stars, Abraham? Oh no. Have you ever gone out on a, on a starry night? I, I remember years ago when we used to be uh, missionaries to Japan and we were out on the Yayaman Islands and when it got dark, I never understood that there were so many stars that you could actually visibly see until we were out there on this little island out in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of the ocean across from uh, uh, Thailand the stars, it was millions and millions and millions. It was a sight to see. There's no way I could have counted those. I remember my girls and us, we, me and Steve and the girls and the, the little team that was with us, we, we, we were just amazed. We were in awe. We'd never seen such a sight back home. And so we sat down and we began to try to just see how many there were. It was impossible and so God wanted Abraham to know what I'm going to do with your life. It's so impossible that you can't begin to comprehend it. You can't put a number on it. You can't put a label on it. But he said, if you're able to count them, he said, so is going to be your descendants, those that will come from your seed, from your line. Then Abraham believed in the Lord. Now listen, believing in and believing are two different things. It says he believed in God. He believed in him. And God reckoned it to him as righteousness. So now Abraham, because he believed in God, he is now in a place of righteousness before God. That faith, that faith. And God said to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. I'm the God who brought you out of the world. I'm the God who delivered you out of the world. I'm the God who had a plan for you and chose you and called you to come out and to be my own possession. I'm God who brought you out of Ur, out of the only life you ever known, to give you this land to possess it. And so now Abraham, now listen, we have to understand, he's already believed in God. He's believed in who God is. And this is what he asked God. This is what I want us to see. He said, oh Lord God, 
How can I know that I will possess it? How can I know that I will possess it? How can I know it for sure that this is going to be given to me? I want to know it deep down inside. I want to have it in the marrow of my being. I've believed in you. He's already believed in God, but now God has given him a word and that word to Abraham, God has believed God, but he's believed God. But now he said, I want to know, how can I know? How can I fully understand? If we turn and drop down to verse 12, God tells him, I want you to go to prepare a sacrifice. Go and gather these certain things and bring them to the altar I want you to present an offering to make a sacrifice unto me. And if you'll do that, if you'll do that, then I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you that that knowing deep down inside that you need to know. God was about to ignite this in Abraham. And it's so powerful for us to see. Now in verse 11, he makes this sacrifice and and he's got the offering already and the sun starts going down. And it says that Abraham had to drive the birds of prey away. There will always be attacks There will always be those things, those enemies that come against everything that God requires of us to offer up to him. And so we see Abraham driving them away. And in verse 12, it says, When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. Abram was very fearful because it was a darkness like he had never known. God said to Abram, Know for certain it's what you ask for. You have hungered to go deeper with me and you have offered up what I've asked for you. You've given the sacrifice of what I've asked for. You have longed to go deeper with me with the word that I've spoken with you. You're not content just to believe in me. You want to believe me when I speak. You know there's a difference in believing in God and believing God when he tells you something. And so because he wanted to go this, this, to this deeper place, God caused a deep sleep to come upon Abram, and he was fearful, it was terror. And God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. This is important for us to remember right here, verse 13, when we get over to the life of Moses. I want you to remember that. What God's telling him is going to happen to his people. They're going to be enslaved. Now, he didn't tell him right here in Egypt, but they're going to be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. And this is where Moses comes in at the end of that 400 years. He said, but I will also judge the nation whom they will serve. And afterwards, listen, when they're going to come out of that Egypt, God's saying they're going to come out with many possessions. But as for you... Abram, you're going to go forth in your fathers to your fathers in peace. When you die, you're going to be a man who's at peace in his soul. You will be buried at a good old age. And then in the fourth generation, they're going to come back here. They're going to return here. For the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. We can't camp right there, but there's a beautiful truth right there. It came about when the sun had set that it was very dark. And behold, there appeared, here it is, a smoking oven, a flaming, listen, lamp. A flaming torch. It's translated lamp. can be translated torch. But now we see this fire in a torch. We see it in a lamp, which passed between the pieces of the sacrifice that God had required of Abraham to make. 
And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river Egypt as far as the great river to the river Euphrates. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down the first thing. It's important that we lay a foundation. Number one, the fire of God burns because of covenant. It burns because of covenant. God had already given Jesus. He had already spoken and ignited the presence, that power of Jesus into the world. And now we see this fire uh, entering into a covenant with man. He enters into a covenant with a man by the name of Abram who God changes his name to Abraham. The first thing, the second thing that we need to learn about fire, we've already learned that it's ignited by God. But this point right here that we've learned, the fire of God burns because of covenant. You say, Pam, why would that be important? Because when we get on down in scripture later, when the tabernacle is made and we see the temple follows, we will know that there is something called a strange fire that comes. It's a fire that's not of God, an igniting that's not of God. And the fire of God will always burn because of the covenant that God has made. Because it came about when that flaming torch came, it says in verse 18, on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, You say, Pam, what do we see happening? Why did God pass between the pieces of that? And we don't have time to elaborate on covenant. But covenant means to cut an agreement. And we see God passing through because covenant, if you you look at the meaning of the word covenant, it means a solemn binding agreement. God was binding himself to man. He was binding himself to Abraham in the promise that he just made him. Remember, Abraham wanted to go deeper with God. I believe you, God, but now I want to know it. I've believed in you, but now I want to believe you. I want to know it for sure. I want to go deeper with you. And God sends this fire, the fire of his promise, the fire of his covenant. I want you to write this nugget down. The fire of God bound itself to the life of Abraham. For all eternity. That's important for us to know. The fire of God bound itself to the life of Abraham for all eternity. And if we want the igniting of the fire of God in our lives, I want you to hear this. We light from that fire. We don't create our own fire. We are set ablaze by that fire right there, the same fire that came and entered into a covenant agreement with Abraham. So covenant is a solemn binding agreement. So Pam, what is this understanding that we need to see about this fire? And I want you to write this truth down because when I discovered this, when God led me as I was studying fire, It's a unique thing about fire. There's many unique things about fire. But this one thing stands out, and this is it. Fire is not a thing. It's an event. Fire is not a thing. It's an event. So, Pam, what does that mean for us? When I see that fire, when I see that fire, that tells me that an event has taken place. When I see an igniting in someone's life, they're on fire for God. Now, we know that we're talking about a spiritual igniting, an igniting of faith, an igniting of joining and becoming one with God. 
But when we see that igniting, when we see someone on fire for heaven, we know that number one, that fire is burning because God has put a covenant in place. He chose to bind himself to the life of Abraham. And to ignite from that fire, now you're part of that covenant that he made with Abraham. You don't come over here and make your own covenant. You can't come over here and make your own way. You can't come over here and change. That fire was lit and it bound himself because of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And if we want to be ignited, we want our faith, we want to catch fire from heaven, then that fire has parameters. It has boundaries. And it's bound up in the covenant of God with Abraham with Abraham. So fire is not a thing, it's an event. And when someone sees it, they'll say, oh, a covenant, they've entered into that covenant, that same covenant that God made with Abraham. I'm one of those, I'm I'm one of those numbers that that couldn't be numbered when God compared it to numbering the stars. I'm a number. I'm one of those grand numbers that can't be counted because I've entered into that same covenant. Because God had already told Abraham, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. In you, Abraham, in your seed, not from your house, not the work of man, but the work of God. So when we see somebody on fire for God, if they're truly on fire for God, then we will understand an event has happened right there. They have now entered in that covenant of God. They have now come into that binding agreement with God. Do you know what that means? Our life is not our own. There's a covenant in place when we come into the covenant of Abraham through Jesus Christ, when we become a Christian. There's a covenant in place. And we've got to remember that, you know, Abraham had already received the call of God. If we back up a few chapters, we will see where God comes to Abraham and he says, I want you to leave the only land you've ever known. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave your relatives. Some of us would go, yes, and follow me out where I'm taking you to. And he said, it's a place that you don't know, but it's a place I'm going to show you. And, and Abraham's relationship, this journey of faith, it progresses until it gets to this moment right here. Even though he stepped out and he obeyed God and he followed God. Even though he believed In God, he needed an igniting in his life. And God right here is when God ignited the fire of faith in Abraham. How can I know? I want to know it down in my marrow, God. I want it to burn in the marrow of me. I don't want to doubt your word. I believe in you, God, but I want to believe you. And this was that great igniting. So number one, the fire of God burns because of of covenant. But what caused this igniting? What, What made God light this lamp, this holy lamp in the life of Abraham? I believe we need to remember that Abraham was in a position of righteousness. He had already believed in God. It starts with that small step. God, I'm going to be obedient to you because he'd already stepped out in his life. But now, God, I believe in you. I believe in you, God. But it's that wanting to go further because Abraham yearned within, I want to know. I want to go on that deeper level with you. You see, this is what we've got to know about the fire of God, this igniting. The fire of God will not bind itself to those outside of covenant, to those that are outside of the righteousness of God. 
This is why God could come and he could enter into a covenant with Abraham. You know, Hebrews 10.38, I've seen it in a whole new light. It says, my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And this shrinks back. I'd studied it some years ago. It means that, that a possession of the soul, a faith that possesses. In other words, faith is not something that we possess Faith must possess us. We don't possess faith. Faith, true faith, must possess us. And this is what we see taking place here with Abraham when he enters into this covenant with God. You see, the fire of God, the fire of God, the igniting that God wants to take place, it is looking for that soul that takes full pleasure in God. Not in the things of the world, but it takes full pleasure in God. And when God looks, when this fire of God is searching, he sees faith. He sees someone who has dared to say, I believe what God has said in this place right here where I'm standing. Right now in this season of my, of my life, everything that God has said to me, I'm choosing to believe it. And that causes an igniting in our life. Abraham's life took on a whole different dynamic after this encounter with God because now he walked around, listen, not wanting to know it, but knowing it, knowing it. He had now experienced and seen the torch of God and the fire of God attach itself, ignite itself in the life of Abraham. Number two, Number two, the fire of God burns because of covenant. But number two, the fire of God responded to the cry of the righteous. The fire of God right here in the life of Abraham, we see the fire of God responding to the cry of the righteous. Abraham said, I want to know, how can I know it? I want to be absolutely convinced I believe you, God, but I believe in you, God, but I want to believe you that what you've spoken about my life is true. I want to go into a deeper place with you. This was the cry of Abraham's heart. And you see, in the fire of God responded to that. When Abraham said, how can I know? In verse 8, well, he said, how can I know? The word know here says to see it as completed. To see it as completed, to believe in its complete fruition. God, I want to see it as if it's already come to fruition. I want to see it as completed. I want to stand back and in my faith, in this great igniting of you within me, that I'm so one with you, that I'm so lost in you, that you're so deep in my marrow that I can say, it's done. When God said this is going to happen and this and this and this and his word, we see it and this fire says, yes, it's done. Because we're in covenant with him. This fire, we know it's an event that's taken place. The covenant right here, we have bound ourselves to God and he has bound himself to us. He's bound himself to us. Uh, Abraham was saying, I want to know it in my marrow. You see, from this point on, Abraham had not been promised to, be, to receive anything personally. Nothing personally until this encounter right here. We see Abraham going from being a spectator to a partaker. 
And when he cried out to be a partaker with God, not just back here to be a a pew sitter, to be an observer, but I want to step in and I want to engage with God. I don't want to just be a spectator. I want to be a partaker. And this was the cry of Abraham's heart and the fire of God responded. Do you know what happened here? God's fire simply answered yes. Yes, I'll light your life on fire with full faith, to see it as finished, to see it as completed with no more doubts. Wouldn't you want to live that way with God? Yes, I think all of us would say yes. But you got to remember, Abraham had already stepped out to follow God. He had already abandoned everything familiar to him. God was his map in life. He had already stepped out. He would already made that commitment to God. He had already given God those things on the altar that God required of him to give. And then he said, I believe you, God. I believe in you, God. With all of my heart, I believe in you. But God, you've spoken these these wonderful things about me. You've spoken these wonderful things in your word, God. But I want to believe them about me. I can believe them for everybody else, but God, I want to believe them for me. And God, I believe you'll do anything for anybody else. Have you ever been there? But God, I don't know if you'll do it for me. Will you really do it for me? I want an encounter, God. I want it to be personal. I want to know that I'm going to be with you in this, that you really are going to bring goodness to fruition in my life. I want to know it. And the fire of God said, yes. Listen, he found a wick right there upon which to burn. I'll put my fire in you, Abraham, because you're willing, saying, God, I want to burn. I want to burn with believing in you. You've had all of me but this little part. I've believed everything else. I've obeyed everything else, but I've not believed that you would do it right here in this body, in this life, in this temple. God wants us to go from a spectator to a partaker. And this is what the fire of God, that's the event when people see you burning for God. Ah, that event's taking place right there. And the fire of God simply answers yes. The next time that we see, as we trace the fire of God through Scripture, the next time that we see it, and it comes immediately after this in Abraham's life, pretty quickly after it, where God is sending the fire of heaven to judge and to burn up Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we're not going to go there. That's reserved for another lesson because the fire of God, the fire of God is holy and it purges, but it also judges. It also judges. And so after that, this third time that we see it is in the life of Moses where you studied. It's important because by the time that Moses approaches this fire, We've got to understand that this fire responds to the cry of the righteous and the fire of God burns because of covenant. So when we see the fire of God now, we understand that's covenant right there. A covenant has taken place and it's a solemn binding agreement and God never will unattach himself. He will never break the bond of that covenant. And so when he comes to this fire, this is the same fire that entered into a covenant with Abraham. And we see this in Genesis 3, verses 1 through 4, and we studied it. So let's begin there. Moses was pastoring a flock. We know the story. 
And the angel of the Lord, verse 2, and if you study this, you will find out, and we're going to learn this before this is over. You're going to see this in Scripture, uh, especially in the teaching sessions. But this presence was Jesus. It was always Jesus. Even the pillar of fire leading uh, the nation of Israel. It was Jesus. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush and looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. The bush wasn't consumed. So Moses said, because this bush wasn't consumed, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. You know, what drew Moses, and this is such a beautiful thing for us to remember, what drew Moses to the bush is not just a bush burning, because we've all seen fires. I'm sure he had seen a fire before. Okay, a bush is burning over there. Oh, well, you know. It's burning and it's fine. But that wasn't what drew him to the fire. It was the bush in the fire. It was that the bush was not being destroyed. How can that be? It was the bush in the fire that was so attractive that drew Moses in. Do you see this fire that that is ignited within us? It has the power to do the same thing as this bush because this is the same fire. And he said, I must turn aside. I must turn aside. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to Moses from the midst of that bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. I'm right here. The fire of God, listen, we've just seen was housed in a lamp or or a torch, but now we see it burning within a bush. God, uh, this fire, it made the bush its lamp, so to speak. It made the bush its lamp. Why did the fire of God come down to Moses? Because the fire is the same fire that came to Abraham. The fire, remember, is in covenant relationship with Abraham and his descendants. There was a covenant in place. So why did it? I want you to write this nugget down. The the duty of the fire of God is to honor God's covenant. The duty of the fire, listen, the holy fire, the fire of God, is to honor God's covenant. Because the fire comes down in the life of man, it's because a covenant is in place. But it's also the duty of the fire of God. If it's the fire of God, not a strange fire, but the fire of God, its duty, its allegiance is first to that covenant of God, the covenant that God made with Abraham. Its allegiance is to the glory of God. So when Moses turned, the fire of God responded. When he was overcome with, I must see. Now listen, you studied these phrases and these words this week in your study, but I want to remind you right here in this, I must turn. Moses saw a sight and he said, I must turn. It's like, I can't help it. I must turn and see what this is. I must turn means I must withdraw. I must retreat. I must turn my attention away from everything else in order to see and understand this marvelous sight. To draw nearer to this, I must pull away from that. It's a denial of out here. It's a retreat from something in order to go to another. That's what that I must see. I'm tending sheep, 
I'm doing all of this stuff. I'm so busy. But he had to be willing to cut himself off from that to be able to draw near for this igniting that God wanted to put in place in his life. I want us to understand that. And it's the same fire that entered into the covenant with Abraham. And when he said, see, I've got to see. I must withdraw, retreat from everything else because I want to draw near to this. I've I've got to see it. The word see here means to gaze intently upon. You studied it this week to give full consideration, to seek to approve, listen, whether it's real or not. Is this the real deal? When we are ignited for God, when we are set on fire for God, do you know that it will cause people to turn, to separate themselves long enough to say, I need to see if this is genuine. I need to see if this is the real thing. Is this the real deal? I must turn and see. And this was the appeal to Moses of this fire, this bush that was in the fire. This bush that was in the fire. It was not the fire that drew Moses in. I want you to write this down. I've said it, but it's our nugget. It was the bush in the fire. Only when Moses was willing to withdraw from the world, when his focus shifted from the earthly to the heavenly, from the natural to the supernatural, did his life take a turn. Did his life change? Because this turn right here, as you saw this week, this turning was everything. It was everything in the life of Moses. Because from this turn right here, from this turn right here, Moses' life was catapulted into the purpose of God. He was 80 years old, by the way. 80 years old and turning his attention to this bush that was in the fire, this fire that was burning, but yet the bush was not being consumed. And so when he turned, when he turned, God said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. It's consecrated where the fire burns. You're going to see this in your study, but we got to see it's consecrated where the fire is burning. That is holy. That's a holy place. It's a holy place where the fire burns. What an awesome responsibility and accountability. But where the fire of God is, God said, you've got to remove your your sandals because this is a holy place where this fire is burning. It's holy because it's me here. This is my presence. It's me. It's my presence. And he said, also, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face for he's afraid to look at God. He understood. This is what this is. All because he made the turn. See, that fire, it was attractive to Moses. And the the fire of God, listen, it beckons each and every one of us to make that turn and to see, to not not to be satisfied with that distance, not to be satisfied with being a spectator, but I want to be a partaker. I want to draw near and I, I want to reject these things out here in order to do that. And so Moses hid his face and he was afraid to even look because now he has an understanding of what this fire is. It's the presence of God. This fire is God right here. And I'm I'm in his presence. 
I'm in his presence and, and there's, a, there's a reverential fear. When we are in the presence of God, listen, it's not a loose thing. It's not a trivial thing. It's a holy encounter. It's a holy presence. And there ought to be a reverence there. There ought to be a reverence there. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters for I'm aware of their sufferings. And listen, I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians. You remember that 400 years that God took Moses through? They're going to be in prison for 400 years. But then I'm going to answer their cry and they're going to come out with much spoil. They're going to come out strong and with possessions, with many possessions. You see, this fire, this, this covenant, this fire is a covenant with God, and this, this fire is honoring the covenant of God. He said, I've seen the affliction, so I've come down. I've sent my fire down to you to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians. I'm going to ignite, I'm bringing this fire into your life, Moses, to deliver my people. It's for, listen, it's for saving. It's for delivering. It's for redemption. That's why I'm coming to you. You're 80 years old. I've got a call on your life. He said, I'm coming down to deliver and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land. Listen, to a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm bringing them to the place I've prepared for them. It's a beautiful picture of us on our way to heaven. And he said, now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. And furthermore, I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. What happened here in the life of Moses? We see, we see that Moses did not go to God with his burden. God went to Moses with his, with his burden. The fire will always be about carrying out the plan of God. Why? Because it's in covenant. It will always honor the covenant God made with Abraham to bless all the families of the earth, to redeem everyone who would call on the name of Jesus. And he comes down to Moses and you say, Pam, what happened? What do we see happening in the life of Moses? When Moses decided to make this turn, now all of a sudden he has a personal encounter with God. Spectator to partaker. God calls him Moses, Moses. He calls him by name. Now God is personal to him. God doesn't want to be someone that you open up and you read about or you hear Bible stories growing up. I know about God. God wants you to know Him. He wants you to know that He knows you by name. He's a personal God. And He calls Moses by name. Moses had an encounter with the living, holy God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. What a wonder that is but it was all because of the fire of God. He was able to perceive the heart of God. And do you know what happened? God was able to invite Moses in to be a part of his plan, to be a part of his plan. That day, Moses' life changed forever because his purpose for living changed. It took 80 years. You say, Pam, why did it take 80 years? I don't understand. Because God had made a covenant back there with Abraham. There was 400 years in place that had to accomplish its time. God had already ordained this time 
They, this, this is, a, this is a, um, a, a, a punishment, so to speak, a judgment that was in place, a word that was in place, because God knew everything that was going to take place and they were going to have to be enslaved for 400 years for certain reasons. And he said, and they're going to come out after that 400 years. And, and so that, if it had been any earlier, if it had been at the age of 40 in Moses' life, it wouldn't have aligned up with the time of God. The time was right, and Moses was willing to make the turn. We see first that Moses cried out. He wanted this igniting, but now we see the fire of God. Listen, man is not calling out. Moses wasn't on the same page with God. God interrupted his life. God drew near to Moses. The fire drew near to Moses. It it put itself right in the path of Moses' day. And Moses had a choice to make the turn. You see, we have choices to make. Just like Abraham, we have choices to make. Am I willing to offer up to God what he's asked of me? Am I willing to forsake the life, the only life that I've ever known, and step out on a journey of faith and follow him even when I don't understand where he's taken me? Am I willing to forsake all others and cling only unto him? even if I don't know what the next day will hold. And then when I get to that place where where I have to trust him and I don't know what's next and I don't understand, will the cry of my heart be, God, it's too hard, I don't like this, or God, I want to go deeper with you. I want you to have more of me than you had. Will we be willing to turn from the busyness and hectic, ordinary things of life and set our gaze long enough on the fire and presence of God to make that life-changing turn and position ourselves where God can communicate his heart to us. I think that we get off track with God. Our emotions lead us here and they lead us there and in the wrong directions because we have not turned aside to get face-to-face with the holy God and hear what his heart is in the situation. Moses could have been very hard I can't believe you're letting my people suffer like this. But God said, surely their cry has come to me. The time has come. The time is perfect. The time is now. I've spoken this word. You weren't around back then, but I spoke it, and I entered into a covenant, and I honor that covenant, and this fire honors that covenant always. You see, the fire of God, it pursues. Sometimes we see man crying out for it in Scripture. And then sometimes we see the fire chasing. We see men chasing the fire. And sometimes we see the fire chasing men. And that's what, that's what happened with Moses. The fire chased him. It pursued. It listened. And it had watched him, no doubt, for 40 years out there in that desert, same place he'd probably been many times, waiting till the perfect time, as Paul said, when the time was pleasing to God to present Jesus to me to ignite my life on fire for Jesus. When the time was perfect is when he acted. That fire was waiting. It's patient. It's long-suffering. But it's going to carry out the perfect will and perfect timing, the perfect place, the perfect day, the perfect moment, the perfect season of our life to set us on fire. And this is what happened to Moses. It listens. It responds to the cry of the righteous. 
It reveals the heart and the will of God, and it operates only because of covenant. It will always honor the covenant of God. It will always recognize that I'm in a holy place. This is holy ground. That wherever this fire burns, it's holy. It's a holy place. And it's not something that I take lightly. And in order for it to burn here, everything else, all of this has to be put out, has to be extinguished for this fire to burn right here. And Moses was drawn in. Abraham, in obedience, cried out, and God drew him in, and God even drew himself to Moses. And because of the cry of the righteous, the fire of God came down and entered into a covenant. You see, that igniting, which happened the very beginning of Genesis 1-4, it was the answer to the condition of the world. It's the answer to the darkness. It's the answer to emptiness. It's the answer to the void. And that fire has been seeking and looking for a wick upon which to burn ever since. So what's the cry of your heart? What's the cry of your soul? Do you want to draw near and hear what God's heart is so he can ignite you? Or is it like Abraham? I believe in you, God, but now I want to believe you. I want to become one with your plan. Well, that's what the fire of God longs to do. So we're in this journey together. I want you to stick it out all the way to the end because God has a mighty work that he wants to do in and through each and every one of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fire, for your presence, God, for the presence of Jesus among us in our world, which we have never been without, we've never been apart from. The darkness will not overtake it. God, it is eternal. It burns with us still, even today. And wonder of wonders, you're looking for a human wick, God, upon which to burn, to set a life ablaze for you. And we thank you for that. Would you bring us into understanding of that? Would you search our lives and see where we need to surrender and where we are, God? Draw us in. Cause us to make that turn if we've not made it. And may we burn all the brighter for heaven for it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Join the Word with beloved Bible teacher and author Pam Jenkins. Here at JBOP Ministries, we're so honored that you would join us for the reading of God's Word. We pray that today's message has been an encouragement to your soul. Join us next time for Join the Word with Pam Jenkins. God bless you all.